Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. So, if you're here today, uh, you might be wondering what's been going on with Mel the last couple weeks, and there's been a lot going on with me the last couple weeks. Um, On December 23rd, uh, early that morning, we got a, a phone call. And uh, it was from my sister, and she was letting me know that my dad uh, was having abdominal pains and they were going to take him to the hospital. And my dad's 74, and he's had some health issues through the year here, here and there. And so, you know, I was concerned, but I wasn't overly alarmed. Uh, in fact, my sister and I, my sister and I have very similar personalities. My wife actually said that she is the female version of me. Uh, so it's especially weird because of her beard. It's weird, but anyway. She's very sarcastic, and we joked back and forth a little bit, and honestly, we didn't think anything of it. We thought they were going to take Dad to the hospital, run some tests, figure out what was wrong, and send him home. Uh, Within about an hour, hour and a half, I realized that the situation was more serious than we had originally thought, Uh, and I started thinking, maybe I need to skip our Christmas Eve services and fly down to be with my mom and dad. Uh, my sister, my mom, I'm sorry, my wife was encouraging me to do that, but I was hesitant because Christmas Eve, it's like the Super Bowl for pastors and it's our biggest services. And by the way, uh, we had over 2,600 people for Christmas Eve here this year. Uh, we had 50 people make decisions for Jesus this year. And my wife, pinch hit, yeah. My wife stepped in in a, in a terribly difficult situation and she preached and she did a masterful job a uh, really beautiful job just talking about the beauty of Christ and, um, and who he is and what he has done for us. And um, Anyway, so I flew out Christmas Eve Eve morning on the 23rd um, because of some delays. I didn't get to Oklahoma City till, uh, till about 5 o'clock. By the time I got to Oklahoma City, my dad had already passed away. Um, so I'd gotten a phone call from my wife. It was about five o'clock local time. It was about uh, six o'clock here, six thirty. I guess the second service had already happened when she and I talked. Um, And she knew that my dad passed away and she asked me, do you want me to go ahead and speak in the next service? And I said, it's up to you, babe. Uh, You know, if you feel like you can, then yeah, absolutely. But if if you're not sure, don't, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, And our board was great. Our board, I reached out to several of our board members and just let them know what was going on. And all of them told me, go, don't worry about the services. You know, we'll take care of it. It'll be fine. And so anyway, my wife preached that, that third service on Christmas Eve, Eve, knowing that my dad had just passed away. And she did just a wonderful job. Um, Man, it was just incredible. Um, Uh, My dad, from the time he went to the hospital that day uh, to the time he passed away, it was about 14 hours or so. And uh, so part of the reason it was so difficult was because it was so unexpected and so sudden. Um, But my dad always said that he wanted to live until he died. And what he he meant by that was, um, I don't want to be sick for a long time. I don't want to be in a hospital. I don't want to... You know, I don't want to be in a nursing home. I don't, I don't want somebody having to take care of me for a long time. I want to live full life until the day I go to heaven, and that's it. And, um, and he got his wish. We're grateful for that. Um, so just understand 
this is the most difficult thing I've personally ever gone through in my life because my dad was my best friend. Um, um, so that happened on the 23rd. Christmas was not Christmas this year for us, as you can probably imagine. None of us felt like opening gifts or celebrating, so Christmas Day uh, was kind of just a normal day. Uh, we sat around, we prepared for my dad's memorial service, and that was nice because we pulled out pictures and we laughed and joked and just reminisced about all the times we shared and the family, and, and it, was, it was very, it was bittersweet for sure. Um, then on the 26th, the day after Christmas, we had a memorial service for my dad, and uh, I spoke at the memorial service, m- myself, my sister, and my niece, that we all spoke, and, um, and I didn't sob through the whole thing, which was a miracle of God. <laughs> That's one of the signs of the apocalypse, and the sky is blotted out, and the water turns to blood, and anyway, uh, and it was just power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, just shared about my dad. Um, it was a really great day. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people filled the, the church, um, I, the home church that I grew up in, and, uh, and it was just a, a really nice day, um, and it was good to get through that. Uh, on the 28th then, Saturday the 28th, I, I woke up and um, I hadn't been feeling good for a couple days, just a little, just a little, um, just didn't really have an appetite, just stomach wasn't feeling quite right. I didn't feel bad, I just didn't feel good. Um, I'd slept a lot, and part of me thought, well, it's just stress, or I'm a little depressed, or whatever it is. And so I went and ate breakfast with a friend that morning, and we talked, and I came home, and my family had an intervention, and it was like they confronted me and said, you're going to the hospital. I was like, why am I going to the hospital? And they're like, well, we're concerned about you, and uh, I was like, I think I'm fine, and uh, we don't think you are. So they took me to the hospital, or to the ER, and they checked me out, and come to find out, I was having some issues with my liver. Um, it was, my, some levels were higher than they're supposed to be, and it was causing, uh, causing me to feel the way I felt, and it was not life-threatening or anything like that, but they just didn't know why my levels were off. So they ran some tests, they admitted me to the hospital for a couple days, and I gotta be honest with you, I was, uh, I didn't feel bad at all in the hospital. I actually felt better after I got to the hospital, and they didn't even do anything for me, they just kept an eye on me. But it was, it was really great, because I got two days where I just got to read and watch TV and lay in a bed, and they brought me my food. <laughs> it's actually kinda nice. <laughs> I might schedule some time in the hospital about once every six months, just yeah. I don't need any treatment, I just wanna lay in the bed. So uh, anyway, uh, so just know that, I mean, they never figured out what was going on with me, everything came back to normal, and I'm um, getting checked out this next week from, by a specialist, but I feel fine, uh, I have no issues at all. Um, in fact, the doctors were shocked <laughs> that I'm as healthy as I am. It was like they would look at, you know, and they'd go, wow, Mr. Massingale, you don't have high blood pressure. And it was like, the code was, you're way too fat not to have high blood pressure. <laughs> I'm the healthiest fat guy they've ever seen in their life. Like, this is baffling. We're perplexed by this, so. Uh, so just know, uh, physically, I'm, I'm in good shape. I'm, I'm healthy. Uh, emotionally, I will tell you that... Um, My heart is hurting. Um, 
And just to be real with you, I, I didn't want to be at church today. I wanted to pull the covers over my head. And, um, and honestly, I, I'm here because I needed it, but I, I, I wanted to stand here and tell you what, I, what I've preached a hundred times, that sometimes God does not answer our prayers the way we pray, but that does not change how good he is. I sat in the Atlanta airport on a layover on the way on the 23rd, knowing that my dad was dying, knowing what the signs were saying, and praying with everything that I had that God would save my dad. But God's still good. He's still faithful. He's still loving. He's still generous. He's still merciful. So I want you to know that. I want you to hear that from me. Uh, God's not only good on our best days, he's good on our worst days. Uh, so I want you to know I'm, I'm good. I need you to give me some grace for a little bit because uh, it's going to take me a while to heal up. Um, but I, I really believe this is going to be the greatest year in the history of our church. I believe God's going to do more. God's going to work in miraculous ways. We're going to see God do things that we can't even imagine in the calendar year of 2020. If you were here for our interest night for Blairsville a while back, one of the things I talked about that evening was there's a Latin phrase, terra incognita. And terra incognita was a phrase that was used on maps and cartography, and it was used to denote areas of the map that were unexplored. And terra incognita, it literally means uh, unknown lands. And what I feel so strongly in my heart for this church is something I'm discovering that maybe God has intended for me for 2020 as well, personally, is that I think God is taking us to some unknown lands. I think he's taking us beyond the edge of the map. I think he wants to take us to a place that, um, that we've never been before, that we've never explored before, that we're not sure what it's going to look like or how it's going to go, but we can trust deeply in the one who's taking us there. So I'm excited. I'm excited to know that 2020 has some things in store for us that might be a little terrifying, might be a little scary, but it's going to be good because he's the one who's taking us there. And the series we're starting today is a series that we've had planned out for a long time, and it just happened to work out that, uh, that I'm preaching this series now. It's called Wilderness, and wilderness in Scripture is typically a dry or barren or desolate place. And if you've ever been in a wilderness, metaphorically, you've probably asked yourself, when am I going to get out of this wilderness? When can I ever escape this? God, when are you taking me out of this? And the thing is, all of us have been through wilderness seasons. Maybe you're in a wilderness season right now. Uh, but if you're not in one, you will come through one at some point. Because the wilderness will find us all. And typically it will find us in unexpected ways. See, we're always fine until we're not. Our marriage is great until we find out what our spouse has been doing, or we found out they're not happy in the marriage, something's wrong. Uh, we're, we're fine until we get a negative report from our doctor and find out how the tests were because we felt okay, and then we find out we've got cancer. We found out we've got a condition. You think things are fine at work until you get laid off and you find out you're not okay. Now... You find yourself in a wilderness season trying to figure out what the future holds, trying to figure out what tomorrow will bring. And we see this throughout Scripture, and there's a, a person in Scripture I want to share with you today. Moses uh, is 
one of the patriarchs of the Christian faith. Um, he's esteemed by many religions, but Moses was a guy who spent a lot of time in the wilderness in his life. Moses was born a Hebrew. Uh, he was raised in an Egyptian home, in the home of Pharaoh. And he was born to be a savior for the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was in slavery in Egypt, and he was destined to be a savior. And what we see is in, when he gets to adulthood, um, he sees an Egyptian who is harassing a Jewish man, and he looks this way and that, is the way Scripture says it, and he goes and he kills the Egyptian, buries his body in the sand. And what we see in Exodus 2, uh, verse 15, is it says, when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. And Midian in that day and age, even today, is desolate, but in that day and age especially, it was largely uninhabited. It's in the northwest area of the, the, the Arabian Peninsula. And Moses fled from his situation into the wilderness. When he gets to the wilderness, he has a chance encounter with uh, some ladies uh, that are sisters. They invite him into their home, and their father is the, the priest of Midian. He ends up marrying one of the daughters, and he establishes himself and finds himself a home. He ends up spending the next 40 years of his life in the wilderness, where he is working for his father-in-law. He's established himself, and he's put his old life behind him. But the destiny he had to be a savior, to be a rescuer, to be a deliverer, that never left him. Because even in his failure, when he killed the Egyptian, we see a glimpse of his destiny in that moment. But the timing was wrong, and his heart was wrong. And as a result, God delayed his destiny. So he's minding his business, taking care of sheep in the wilderness, and he happens upon a burning bush. And the burning bush is the Spirit of the Lord speaking to him, and it says to him, basically, you are to go to Egypt and set my people free. And so he does. And I'm making a long story much shorter for the sake of this message today. And he goes, leads the nation of Israel out of captivity, leads them toward the promised land, and before they enter the promised land, uh, they decide, hey, let's send some spies in to check things out. And so they send 12 spies in, one from each tribe. And they stay 40 days in the land, and they come back, and 10 of the spies say, I don't know what God was thinking, but he's crazy. He shouldn't have sent us into this unknown land because it's terrible. There's giants. It's going to be horrible. We're going to get killed. And two of the spies said, we'd be crazy not to go. It's a land of abundance. It's, it's everything we hoped it would be. We got to go now. And what happened is God basically says, um, because you failed to trust in me, you got to spend some more time in the wilderness. In Deuteronomy chapter one, uh, it basically summarizes, Moses is summarizing um, the relationship between God and Israel and what's gone on up to this point. In Deuteronomy 140, he says, but as for you, this is God speaking to the nation, Turn and journey into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. So basically God says, hey, you can't go into the promised land. I promised it to you, but you can't go yet. So uh, basically you got to turn around and go back to where you came from. you got to spend some more time in the wilderness. So the wilderness is not through with you yet. And it's ironic because, you know, God has a sense of irony. He said, I'm going to give you one year in the wilderness for every every day that the spies spent in, in the promised land. 40 years, you're gonna to have to wander in the wilderness. So what we see is Moses got 80 years in the wilderness. 
80 years of being isolated, 80 years of barrenness, 80 years of difficulty, of, of challenge. See, not, uh, not every case is like what we just saw. Typically in the Old Testament, we see two situations where people are taken into the wilderness. One is where people flee, like Moses did the first time. They're escaping. The wilderness is a refuge of sorts. And the second is people are driven to the wilderness. And this is, seems to be the case more often because the wilderness is not someplace people typically want to hang out because it's dangerous, because uh, it's risky, it's inhospitable, and as a result, people don't like to spend a lot of time in the wilderness, but these are typically what happen. What we see in the New Testament is, uh, even in the case of Jesus, in Matthew chapter four, it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So what we see is, the wilderness can be a, a useful tool for us. But, but what we see is this, I want you to hear this. Um, God didn't punish the nation of Israel. It wasn't simply punitive to send them back into the wilderness. God wanted them to learn something about who he was. He wanted them to be in relationship with him. He wanted to use the wilderness season to help them grow in their relationship, to know him more intimately. That was his desire. So the wilderness is all about knowing God better, and as a result, seeing him change us. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I've got Four things I want to share with you. The wilderness is a season of, number one, isolation, but not loneliness. Um, I've got friends who think I'm crazy for living in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Do any of your family think you're crazy for living here? Because I've got friends who live in Dallas or Houston or Oklahoma City or big major metropolitan areas, and they think, man, why would you want to live in Indiana? But I understand isolation isn't so bad, right? Like, yeah, we don't have as many people, but we don't have as many people, Right? It's kind of nice that it doesn't take me an hour to get to Walmart. And I know I'm spoiled because now I don't want to drive seven minutes to Walmart. I'm like, go all the way to Walmart. <laughs> you know you live in Indiana when you have that moment, right? Um, so there's a lot of advantages to not having all the people and all the distractions and all the things. Um, when I was a youth pastor, I would take kids to youth camp. And before we'd go to youth camp, I'd say, okay, guys, there aren't gonna be any kind of uh, electronics. And so, again, this is years ago, so it would be like, no MP3 players, no Walkmans, no, leave your old flip phone at home, because that's all we had at that time. Like, so leave it at home, and kids would be like, oh, that's not fair, I, I wanna take it with us. And no, no distractions, that's what I would say. Because we're going to camp, we want you to get alone with God, we want God to be able to speak to you, and we wanna eliminate distractions. And I will say this, in isolation, we might think we're alone, but what we're really doing is eliminating distractions. We're getting rid of some of the things that would keep us from hearing clearly from God. So you might be here today and you feel like you're, you're in the wilderness and you feel like you've been isolated, but maybe God is trying to help you cl hear clearly. Maybe God is trying to help eliminate the noise in your life so you can hear his voice better. Because that's what happens in the wilderness. God wants us to hear clearly from him. He wants us to know him more intimately than ever before. See, I said it's isolation but not loneliness because even in the wilderness, we feel alone but we're never alone. When we're in the middle of this season, we feel like nobody sees us and no one knows us, but God sees us. In Jeremiah 23, 23, God says, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? He's, and this is a rhetorical question. He says, I am here with you. Do you not recognize that I'm here with you right now? I am, a, I am an up-close God. 
I'm not a faraway God. Do you know any other gods that are as intimate as I am, as close as I am? This is what he's asking. In James chapter four, verse eight, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So what he says is this, draw near to God and he's gonna draw near to you. He's not running away from you. But what he says is, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. We have to cleanse our hands and purify our hearts because God is a holy God. And when we are living in unrepentant sin, a, a holy God cannot habitate unholiness. He, he can't abide that. So in order for God to draw near, we have to submit ourselves fully to him and say, God, we need you to cleanse my heart. We need you to cleanse my mind. I need my hands to be pure before you, God. And he will draw near. Psalm 119, 151 from the Christian Standard Bible, it says this, you are near, Lord, and all your commands are true. I want you to know, when you're in the middle of the wilderness, there's going to be lots of questions. God, are you really good? God, are you really a healing God? Are you really a restoring God? Are you really a rescuing God? Are you really a God that can help me in my situation? Because it doesn't really feel like you are right now. And I've had some of those questions over the last couple of weeks. But I keep coming back to this idea. You are near, Lord, and all your commands are true. This is where I've anchored myself and said, God, are you really good? God, why didn't you heal my dad? God, why didn't you do, why didn't, why all these questions? There's so many things I don't know, but do you know what I do know? You are near, Lord, and your commands are true. You are Lord, you are sovereign over all. I trust you as Lord, and I know that you're near me. And, and beyond that, I know that your word is true. I don't know anything else. There's lots of questions I have about life. There's lots of things I don't understand that I don't get. But what I know is God is good and his word is true. Everything else will take care of itself. And when you're in the wilderness, you have to anchor yourself in this truth that God is good and his word is true. The wilderness is a season of provision, number two, but not abundance. In Deuteronomy 1, 30 and 31, it says this, the Lord your God goes before you, uh, who's, who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. He said, remember in Egypt when he fought for you, you saw it. And it says in verse 31, and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. What Moses is saying is God has provided for you. He's taken care of you. He's fought your battles for you, even when you didn't recognize it. Uh, my oldest daughter, Abby, she, years ago, as we were, well, she went to Disney with my family uh, years ago. And, uh, and as we were reminiscing last week, uh, we were looking through pictures, and we got some pictures of Disney, and Abby was pretty young, and my sister said, brother, you, you, your daughter was um, hilarious at Disney. And I said, why? And she said, because we would get off the tram to go to the park in the morning, and she would take about 10 steps, and she'd go, Papa, my feet hurt. I can't walk any further. Can you carry me? She said, and Dad would carry Abby the rest of the day. He'd put her on his shoulders, he'd carry her around, make sure that poor baby didn't have to walk. 
Because he would take care of her. Did he do it for his back? Nope. Did he do it for his feet? Nope. He did it for that little girl because he loved her. I don't think she appreciated what he was doing for her at the time. And what we see is this is a picture of our Heavenly Father. That there are seasons we go through and we go, God, do you even see where we're at? Are you even near us? And if we would just open our eyes, we'd realize that he was the one who's carrying us and sustaining us through this season we're in. That we're not doing it in our own strength or our own ability. It's because God literally is carrying us through our difficulty and pain and heartache. The wilderness that we're in, he is carrying us through it. In Exodus chapter 16, we see the nation of Israel, the people of God begin to grumble. And I know this is just in the Bible because no churches ever gripe and complain ever because we're all happy all the time, right? Um, And they begin to grumble and they go, God, I know we got meat and I know we got water, but it'd be sure nice if we had bread. They weren't on keto. So it would be nice if we had bread. We're not fasting bread during this 21 days, God, so we need us some bread. And they get upset and God sends bread. And he sends it conditionally. What he says is, I'm gonna send you bread. You're literally gonna walk out of your house. It's gonna be available for you on the ground. You just pick it up, free bread. But the condition is this. You gather what you need for the day. That's it. That's all you pick up. You're not going to pick up any more than that. Only what you will eat for the day. So what we see in Exodus 16, it says this. Whoever gathered much, talking about the manna, had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one have any left over till morning. Uh, But they did not listen. So Moses said, God said no leftovers, okay, so if you're here today and, and your family eats leftovers but you don't like leftovers, you can just tell them. God said no leftovers, okay? <laughs> so Ricky just got anointed. He's like, yes, Lord. <laughs> but they didn't listen to him. They didn't listen to Moses. Some left part of it till morning. They kept some leftovers. And it bred worms and stank, so the bread went bad. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it each as much as he could eat, but when the sun grew hot, it melted. See, God wasn't being a jerk. God wasn't saying, you're gonna take what you get. That's all. He wasn't being stingy. Remember what I said earlier, the wilderness was about building a relationship with the nation of Israel and them building a relationship with him. This was about building trust. Because we're in the wilderness, we're going through a season, we go, God, I need, I need all the peace that I need for this season. I need you to dump it on me. And God goes, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you the peace that you need for today, and that's all you get. I'm going to give you all the peace that you need for today, but I'm not going to give you any more than what you need for today. Because then when you wake up tomorrow, I'm going to have new peace for you tomorrow. Can you trust me to give you what you need for tomorrow? when it gets here. See, that's not how we want to work, though. We go, God, give me what I need for the whole season. Give me what I need right now, all of it. And God goes, no, no, no. If I do that, you don't have to learn to trust me. So what happens is we're walking through a season in the wilderness, and we go, God, I feel dry. Man, I need joy, God. And God goes, I'm going to give you the joy you need for today. But God, I want the joy I need for tomorrow, too. And God goes, no, 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 no. You got to trust me. I promise I'm gonna give you exactly what you need tomorrow. Just trust me. 
And what happens in our hearts is every day we see God provide for us, we see God take care of us, we see God nurture us, we see God walk with us, and we learn to trust the heart of God. So through this wilderness season, as painful and as difficult as it is, we get to the other side and we go, wow, look at what God has done. Look how faithful God has been. Did we have an abundance? No. But we had everything we needed. Every single day, I never lacked peace. I never lacked joy. I never lacked hope. I got through that season because God provided for me. Because it's a season of provision, but not abundance. And why is it not a season of abundance? And I'll tell you. When the nation of Israel was in, in the wilderness, they were not planting and reaping. Because they were nomadic. So there was no harvest for them in the wilderness. And I'm telling you today, we all love harvest season because it's an abundance, but I'm telling you, there is no harvest in the wilderness. But God will give you everything you need. See, one of the beautiful things about this season is our need becomes a gift when we are forced to depend on God. When we have to trust God every single day for what we need, it, it causes us to learn to love him more. And when, like I said earlier, when we look back, we can say, man, what a gift that suffering was. What a gift that wilderness season was because I know God more intimately now than ever before. What a gift it is. Third thing is this. The wilderness season is a season of comfort but not rest. Uh, if you're a longtime Summit member, you may remember back in 2014. Does anybody even remember 2014? Feels like Feels like six years ago. Anyway, uh, feels like forever ago in so many ways. I preached a series called Promised Land. And uh, in that series, I, I took a week and we talked about, there's two and a half tribes, the Reuben, Gad, and a half tribe of Manasseh, who, um, who decided that they didn't want to cross the Jordan into the Promised Land. And uh, you can read a little bit about it in Numbers chapter 32, but in verse 5, they approached Moses, and they said, if we found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants for possession. Do not take us across the Jordan. They said, we don't want to go into the promised land. We're happy here in this wilderness. And Moses gets angry because he says, we've been working to go into the promised land. And they said, no, no, this is good. We're, ha we're happy here. We're comfortable. This is everything we need. We've got livestock, and this land is good for livestock, so just leave us be. And this is what happens in our lives so many times. We get comfortable in the wilderness. We get comfortable in our discomfort, if I can say it that way. Um, what we see in Scripture is the promised land is to be a land of rest. In fact, it says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 13, uh, Joshua is talking to these tribes, and he says, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. So God is providing you a place of rest, and what he's saying is, but you don't want to enter in the land of rest. Uh, some of you, when you get home from church today, you look beautiful, by the way. You look fantastic. You're going to get home from church, and the first thing you're going to do is put on your comfy clothes. You know what I'm talking about. Stuff with an elastic waistband, stretchy pants, whatever it is. You're gonna eat your lunch, you're gonna go sit on the couch, you're gonna find your spot, and you're gonna go, <sighs> Maybe you had that experience, you hosted people for Christmas, 80 people in your house, and they all left, and they, you loved them, but you were so glad to see them go. You took off your belt, you put your, <sighs> right? 
And we do that when we get home. Why? Because our home is a safe place. It's a place of comfort. It's a place where we can be ourselves. It's a place where we can put on our stretchy pants. It's a place of rest. And what the two and a half tribes of Israel were saying is, is, hey, we're comfortable here. We don't need to go into the rest. And so many of us, we settle for comfortable when God has something even better for us. We've settled in our marriages where we go, ah, my marriage is never gonna be as healthy as it should be. This is good enough. You know what? I'm never, never gonna be able to do what I really feel like God's put in my heart, so this job is good enough. You know what? I don't have the kind of friends I would like to have, and that seems like a lot of work, so this is good enough. You know, my relationship with God, uh, you know, ideally it would be better, but, uh, but I'm comfortable with where I'm at, so this is good enough. I hate the phrase good enough because it undermines God's best in our life. God wants us to live a life of excellence, a life that he dreamed for us to live. He wants us to abide in his rest that he has for us, but so many of us have settled for good enough. We settled for comfortable. I want you to know this. We're not made for the wilderness. We were made for the promised land. You are not made just to be comfortable. You were made to enter into rest. But there's no home in the wilderness. This is not our home. This wilderness season you're, you're walking through, you're not dist- d- destined to live there. You're destined to walk through it. But the choice is yours. Are you going to grow comfortable in your discomfort? Because this is the thing. God wants to change you. You are not the finished product of who he wants you to be. He, he wants you to become something more, something else. And he doesn't do that in our comfort. He does that in our discomfort. <laughs> we don't work to make our marriages better until we realize there's a problem in our marriage many times. We don't work to make our health better until we realize there's a problem in our health. We don't work to make our jobs better until we have a bad review and our boss says, you better get your junk together, you're gonna get fired. We go, oh, I gotta change something, right? We have to be uncomfortable to be changed. And I'm telling you, God wants us to be uncomfortable so he can change us and help us become who he wants us to be because there is no home, there is no rest in wilderness. The fourth thing is this. The wilderness is a season of preparation, but not completion. Now I referenced this a moment ago. Um, Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness watching his father's sheep. That was not wasted time. I think those 40 years were years that God was using to refine Moses' heart, help him become who he wanted him to be, so that he could ultimately lead the nation of Israel out of captivity, so he could ultimately fulfill his destiny to be a deliverer. I believe that every, and you're gonna hear me say this several times over the next few weeks, I believe that every new season in your life is preceded by a wilderness season. Think back through your life. Think back through the new seasons you've experienced in your life, and typically you're gonna see them are, that, that they're preceded by a wilderness. A, a season of wandering, trying to figure out what's next, what's going on in my life. This is what God does. And the wilderness is a preparation for the next season of your life. See, we think the wilderness is punishment, but it's preparation. There was something God wanted Moses to do. There was someone God wanted Moses to be, but he couldn't be that person unless he had experienced the wilderness. 
The, the man who killed the Egyptian and buried his body in the sand, he was not equipped. He was not adequate to lead the nation of Israel out of captivity. He couldn't have done it. But a humble shepherd, he could do it. This is who God could use. And I want you to hear this today. There's a season in front of you, a new season that God's got for you, that's something he's wanting you to walk in, but you can't walk through it unless you experience the wilderness. Because it's a series of, it's a season of preparation. The Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness on a journey that should have taken them 10 days. <laughs> How frustrating must that have been? Do you ever get in the car with your GPS and it says 32 minutes to the destination? And you get in traffic and the number goes up? How frustrating is that? <laughs> that is one of the most frustrating things in my life. I'm on the way to the airport trying to make a flight or something like that and the number keeps going up on the, des on the time of arrival. Like, wait a second. Israelites experienced that. It should have taken them 10 days, 40 years. And this is what I believe. I believe the bad news is you might be in your wilderness for a while. But the good news is I believe you have something to say about how long you're in the wilderness. Because God loves us too much to promote us to a new season unprepared. So he's not gonna take you into a season that he's not ready for you to walk into or that you're not ready to walk into, but he's gonna prepare you in the wilderness. So if it takes you 40 years to learn the lesson, to, to become who you need to be, to, to submit, to surrender your heart, to empty yourself out, whatever it is you need to do or learn, God's gonna give you all the time you need because he's not gonna promote you to a new season if you're not ready for it. So the question is, how long are you gonna stay in that season? Sometimes we don't have a whole lot of choice. There's just a natural progress and process that God takes us through. But I'm telling you, when I'm in my wilderness seasons, I wanna ask God, God, what do I need to learn? What do I need to know? What do I need to become so that I can get to the next season of my life, so I can get to the new that you are bringing my way? Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, this is a passage I've thought a lot about over the last few months especially in regards to Blairsville. And now for the season I'm in personally, Isaiah 43, 19 says this, God speaks to the nation of Israel and he says this, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love this because he uses two phrases to bring their attention. He says, behold, he said, I want you to, I want you to, hear this. I want you to see this. I want, I want to get your attention. He says, I'm doing a new thing. And I love the question. Do you not perceive it? Can you not see what I'm doing? That I'm doing something new and fresh, that I'm taking you off the edge of the map. I'm doing something that you've never seen before. You've never experienced before. Do you, do you not perceive it? And then the context seems to indicate that he's talking to people that are in a wilderness season because he says, I will provide a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And if you're in a wilderness today, which I think probably many of you are, you know the question that we started with earlier today is how do I get out of this? 
what is my way out of this wilderness? And what we see God say here to the nation of Israel is, I will provide a way in the wilderness. Where there seems to be no way, I will provide a way. Where there seems to be no route of exit, I will provide that for you. And in that arid place, in that desert place where you seem to lack, I'm not going to let you lack. I'm going to provide. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you rivers in the desert. So if you're in the wilderness today, I want to encourage you in this. God's doing a new thing. Make sure your heart is ready for whatever God is taking you into, whatever God is leading you into, because it's going to be new. I believe it's going to be spectacular. It's going to be beyond what you can imagine. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you love us. We're grateful that you are for us. We're grateful that we get to be your kids. And you carry us like a father carries his son. God, I'm grateful today that you allow us to go through wilderness seasons. And it's not punishment, it's preparation for us, God. It's to prepare us to be and do what you've called us to be and do. So God, I pray that we would not resist it, but God, we would lean into it. We would receive it. We would grow, we'd develop, we'd learn, we'd be refined. Whatever it is you wanna do in us during the seasons, God, let us be submitted to that. Let us trust you through this that you can provide everything we need. Let us trust that we're not alone, that you are nearer than what we can even imagine. You're nearer than our next breath. God, remind us of that as we're walking through difficult seasons, as we're walking through the barrenness, the isolation, the lonely, all the things, God, let us see that. God, I pray for those that are here that don't know you. I pray for those that have never made you Lord of their lives, that have never surrendered their lives to you and their hearts to you, that that maybe today they're recognizing the the, the beauty of who you are. And God, I I pray that that today, those that are in this room, that are watching online, that don't know you, that don't have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray that the full force of your love and your mercy and your grace would impact them today. That they would be drawn by who you are to you. So God, have your way among us today. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed and nobody's looking around, I just wanna ask you, if you're here today and you'd say to me, Mel, you know what, I'm, I'm not walking with Christ. I've never surrendered my life to him or made him Lord, but I want to, I wanna, wanna make him Lord today. I wanna start my 2020 right by surrendering everything in my life to him. And maybe you've even been religious, maybe you showed up to church, but, but today you say, I, I want a relationship with Christ. I wanna make him Lord. I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you right where you are. So if that's you today and you say, Mel, pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be bold enough to put your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it right back down. Yeah, thank you. Over here on my left, I see you. Who else? Yeah, thank you. I see you up in the balcony. Who else? I want to join these and say, Mel, pray for me. Include me in that prayer. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. Yeah, thank you. I see you. Praise God. I'd like every person in this place, I want you to pray this prayer with me. The word of God tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead, we shall be saved. So I just want you to pray this prayer with me out loud, but I want you to mean it in your heart as well. So repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, Use my life for your glory. I am your servant and I am your child. 
thank you for loving me. I am forever yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today, can we? Listen, we serve an incredibly good God. And if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, I want you to know scripture says that you're a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. And we wanna help you take the next step in your faith journey. So if you prayed that prayer with us, uh, we wanna help you get connected to opportunities, to resources for you to grow in your faith. So if you would take just a moment and fill the card out that's in the seat back in front of you. On one side, it says need prayer. On the other side, it says salvation. If you'd fill out the side of the card that says salvation and then take it over to our information center, they're gonna give you a new Bible. Uh, They're gonna get you connected to resources and opportunities to grow in your faith. So please take advantage of that. We would love to help you. If you're watching online, you prayed that prayer with us. Uh, Thank you so much for praying that. Thank you for joining us. We would love to help you grow in your faith as well. So if you would text the word salvation to the number 555-888. And when you do that, we're going to respond back to you. We're going to help you uh, take the next step. We're going to help you find a church in your area that you can connect with. Um, But we want to get you some resources in the mail. So let us know about your decision today so we can help you do that. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Here's what's going to happen right now. I'm going to pray a final prayer over you. And as I am, I'm going to invite our prayer team and some of our uh, staff. They're going to come forward. They'll be here at the front of this room and they'll be available for you as we dismiss. And as we dismiss today, if you would like special prayer, please come forward. If you just want to sit in your seat and pray, if you want to come forward, kneel in one of these steps and pray, uh, feel free to do so. If you feel like God is is finished with you, uh, when we're dismissed in just a moment, feel free to, to see yourself out, but please just do so reverently so you can disrupt what God is doing here at the front of this room. Um, but, but we want to agree with you in prayer if you have a need today. So let me pray a final prayer over you and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for what you're doing in our lives. I'm grateful for the wilderness seasons that come and for what that means for our future. God, I pray right now, Lord, that, that we would embrace 2020 as a year of, of terra incognita, that Lord, we as your people would say yes, we would give an emphatic, enthusiastic yes when you ask us to go places no one else has gone and do things no one else has done. God, help us to trust you deeply and help us to venture off the edge of the map. Help us to go places that you call us to go and help us to do it with boldness and with enthusiasm and with passion so that the world can see and the world may know how good you are and how much you love them. So God, I pray that you'd inspire inspire us, challenge us. And as we walk out of this place today, God, I pray that the spirit we carry with us would be infectious to those around us, that it would be attractive to those around us, that they would see you at work and they would be drawn to you, not because of us, but because of you and your spirit. So God, I pray an empowerment on every person in this place as we leave here today, that you'd be glorified in and through us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you more than you know. I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.